Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of A Life of KG. Have you read the book Profit First? If you have, you are going to love that I've got this guest on the show. If you haven't, then you need to go and add it to your Amazon basket and buy it because it's absolutely incredible. It changed my business. I teach it to all of my clients and I just love the way how it makes such a huge difference within the business and finances. So I have Danielle on the show and she works alongside Profit First and she has multiple businesses. She's super successful and she talks about the Profit First method, but also we talk about her employee systems that she has because she has many teams also. There is giveaway at the end. So listen all the way through to the end and I'm sure you'll love it. Really take notes and implement what Danielle says and you will notice a difference within your business financially. If you have a team or if you're thinking of building a team, also take notes because what she says is really, really true. I know that from experience. So without further ado, here she is. started I want to introduce you to my friend Charlotte. Now she specializes in launching and funnels so if you're launching a product, a brand, a program, whatever that is she is your girl and also funnels okay that sounds really technical right but leads are key in your business. The more leads you have the more business comes your way and you need to create lead magnets to be able to get them email addresses into your business to then turn them into clients and she specializes in this, which is a must if you don't already have this within your company. So I have put her link below in the show notes. So go and check that out and connect with Charlotte and see how she can help you in your business. Danielle, welcome to the Life of KG. How are you today? I'm doing fabulous. Thank you for having me, Katie. You're so welcome. I'm loving the accent. Where are you from? Uh, well, I'm from California, Southern California. So uh, it's where I was born and raised. Oh, I love that. I haven't been there yet. It's on my list. So come <laughs> visit. Definitely. So can you give us an intro and tell everyone what you do? Sure. So I am Danielle Mulvey, a former flight attendant uh, turned entrepreneur. Um, I've been actually an entrepreneur for 25 years. My husband and I have several businesses that do over 50 million US in annual revenue. Um, but my passion is, is profit first and, uh, profit first is a DIY do it yourself cash management system for business owners. And it really transformed my husband and I's businesses. Um, you know, we had different opinions on what we should do with the cash in our business. And when I came across profit first, I was like, this is it. Like we can both agree on the system. It's not my opinion versus his opinion. Um, and then I became connected with the author of Profit First, Mike Michalowicz. Um, and so like now we we used to run in the same entrepreneurial circle. So we kind of come from like the same 
entrepreneurial upbringing and such. And so uh, today we um, we are business partners, Mike and I. Um, I'm the host of the official Profit First podcast, Profit First Nation. Uh, I am his go-to when he does a keynote. I do the follow-up workshop with attendees. And uh, we are collaborating on his next book that is coming out in December 2024, tentatively titled All In, How to Get Your Employees to Act Like Owners. Oh, this is very, very exciting then. How am, you must have had such a journey working with Mike. Um, yeah, it's 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 been fun. Um, like I said, we kind of grew up in the same um entrepreneurial circles here in the US. Um you know, like did the same programming and such. And so really kind of have, have come through the entrepreneurial ranks, um, at about the same pace, the same type of experience and such. And, um, you know, so it's fun to have a partner in crime, um, who, you know, just kind of really has, has, has experienced the same ups and downs. I like saying that being, um, an entrepreneur is, is like riding a roller coasters. There's ups and downs, twists and turns, and sometimes you're upside down, um, but, uh, you know, you're, you're okay as long as you stay on the track, right? Mm-hmm, for sure. So going back to being a flight attendant yes. to then turning into an entrepreneur, where, how did that happen? <laughs> so, so, so I did my gap year after I graduated university and, um, I was a flight attendant for about a year and, um, it was not the job for me. I wanted to travel. I wanted to take a little bit of a break before I got into, um, you know, my real world job. And, uh, so that was a lot of fun and I learned a lot of lessons. Um, one lesson that has been instrumental in, from what I took as being a flight attendant to what I do in our businesses today is, um, do you know, Katie, why airplanes don't fall out of the sky? Why is it the safest form of travel? Oh God, this is a trick to question. Isn't it the turbo so quick? It just doesn't fall. I don't know. (laughs) No, you know what it is? It's because the pilots have to follow a checklist. So there is a checklist for every phase of the flight and the pilots have to follow a checklist. That's why they have that big box with them. They've got everything in there and they are literally having to follow a checklist, which means everything is getting done perfectly, consistently, every flight, every time. So regardless of whether a a pilot has a thousand hours of of commercial experience or 5,000 hours of commercial flight hours, they always have to follow a checklist. And that is why airplanes don't fall out of the sky. And that's why it's really so important. If you want consistency in your business, if you want your employees thinking and acting like you and doing prioritizing the right things, they, they should be following a checklist. Um, even, even with us, you know, I mean, profit first, really, you know, on your allocation day, you're to a certain degree following a checklist, you know, following the steps to doing profit first, right. Um, every, every allocation day. I love that. I love that. So those that are listening that most probably haven't even heard of Profit First before, can you explain how Profit First works? Sure, exactly. So Profit First, as I mentioned, is a DIY, do-it-yourself cash management system. And um, it, what, what's, what's, what's helpful about Profit First is it really gives you a true real-time view of the cash in your business. So, you know, we, we, we most often work with a bookkeeper or an accountant. They keep our financial records in place. They reconcile our accounts at the end of the month. And then they give us the financial statements for the month prior. But that's a rear view mirror view of your business. 
you can't go back and change what you spent the month prior because that's already done. Profit first gives you a real-time view of, of your cash. And so, you know, regardless of what country we're in, um, there is a generally accepted formula for calculating profitability. And that is sales minus expenses equals profit. The problem with this equation is that we prioritize expenses. It's sales minus expenses. And then what's left is little to nothing. It's it's profit. It, it, it gets marginalized. And so in profit first, we just simply flip the equation and we say sales minus profit equals expenses. And by prioritizing profit, we're going to be profitable. And then what's left over is what we have to spend on the business, the expenses. And so it's just flipping the equation that helps us prioritize profitability. And you don't have to be a bookkeeper. I'm not saying that you need to start doing your books and, and things like that. But as a business owner, only you can make the decisions between spending and saving. And that's what it takes to be good with money. Am I going to spend this money or am I going to save this money? When you spend that money, uh, that's an expense. And that means that's not going to be profit. If you save that money, then that is going to go towards profit, right? Um, so it, it's, it's a bit of... Um, I, I, I like to say it, a Jedi mind trick. Um, it, it's the way that you look at your business. Funny thing is, is that money is... 10% logic and 90% emotion. So, you know, we, we have a lot of stories in our head. We think we have to spend money to make money. So that's why we, we, we prioritize expenses. Um, but, uh, but, but if we can squash that emotion and just focus on the logic and do a system like profit first, then, uh, you'll, you, you'll be more successful with money. Um, so profit first, I'm sorry, this is more than a three minute explanation. Uh, so, so profit first then is, is based off of operating your business on multiple checking accounts. Um, and so right now, most businesses are operating out of one business account at the bank. And the problem with that one business account is you say, oh, how much money do we have? And you log into your bank and you see, oh, we have this much money in your one business account. And so you think, oh, well, we have money to spend, but that is not necessarily the case. In Profit First, we require you to have five business accounts at your primary bank, and they are your income account, your profit account, your owner's pay account, tax account, and operating expense account. So those are five accounts. And what happens is, is as customers pay you, that money goes into your income account and it sits there and you don't touch it. And then on your designated allocation day, so the book recommends allocating on the 10th and 25th of the month. In our businesses, we have biweekly or fortnight payroll. So every other week. So we do our allocation days on the Wednesday prior to a payday on Friday. And on your allocation day, you're going to go and look at what your balance is in your income account. And then you are going to allocate based off of your current allocation percentages and profit first, you're going to allocate a percentage to profit. We allocate to profit first. Then we're going to allocate a percentage to owner's pay because you have to pay yourself. You are your business's most valuable employee. Um, then we're going to uh, allocate to tax. 
so that we can cover the taxes that we owe on the on the money that we make. And then what's left over is we're going to allocate to operating expenses. And then that's going to tell us how much money we have to spend on the business. Mm, I can actually say for anyone that's listening, I do exactly this. Like since reading the book, I do exactly this. And everyone that I mentor, I also now teach them this. Like I've told them to read the book and this is what happens. And it really, really helps because it was in the book, actually. It was the analogy of a tube of toothpaste, wasn't it? And I always share that because it was, correct me if I'm wrong, um, if you have a tube of toothpaste and it's a fresh tube, you just use it. You're not really particular on how much you're using when you brush your teeth every morning and night. But then when that toothpaste goes and you haven't been to the shop yet to get a new tube, for some reason you're squeezing it out. It's like kind of lasting, but there's not a lot in there. And that's what the bank account's like. Exactly. That's the most brilliant, perfect explanation, Katie. You totally get it. Yes. Yeah, that is <laughs> Parkinson's law. That the the, the 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 empty tube of toothpaste represents Parkinson's law. So, you know, when when we have a lot of time, we we spend a lot of time. When we have a little bit of time, we crank it out, right? And the same thing with money. When we have a lot of money and we see we have a lot of money, we spend a lot of money. When we see we don't have a lot of money, we get creative. We get resourceful. We get by with just a little dab of toothpaste um, because that that's all it takes. It doesn't really take a big glob. Um, uh, we, we we can get by with, with, with a little dab of toothpaste. And the same thing with money. You know, um, when you, when you talk about implementing profit first, I mean, you know, if you want to take a baby step to it, just open up one more account at your, at your bank, open up a profit account. And with every deposit that comes in, put 1% to profit and start building that profit muscle. Because I guarantee you, you can run your business on 99% of what you've been running it on. If you're allocating 1% to profit. Why do you think people just don't even think of profit? Like surely we go in business to make money, et cetera, but then they completely forget about profit. You know, I, again, I think it's that emotion, um, you know, and I find entrepreneurs especially just want to help people so much and they want to help people almost at the sacrifice of themselves. And so we think, well, if we spend money, all of a sudden we're going to finally get to that, 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 that pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, like if we keep spending money, all of a sudden we're going to, we're going to make money. And and what's so funny is, and kind of tragic is, is we think, okay, well, to solve our, our money problems, we'll just sell more. But the interesting thing about that is that when you just sell more, you're exacerbating kind of like the problems that are underneath the hood. There are only two ways to increase profitability. Number one, increase margin. So raising your prices, Um, And number two, decreasing expenses. So, you know, it's a combination when you're implementing profit first of, you know, making sure that your prices are are keeping up with inflation. Um, I think that's kind of a big challenge. A lot of businesses tend to price themselves on, on the lower end, which means that they're not making much margin and, 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 and they're doing a disservice to themselves and to their customers. They're attracting also to kind of the wrong customer, the less loyal customer, the price sensitive customer. Um, and then, and then it's about watching expenses. And I find, um, especially a lot of businesses that, um, spend, spend dollars on marketing their business, um, tend to, um, just be spending money on marketing and not really measuring the success of that spend. So in profit first, we recommend that a key metric for marketing is that every marketing dollar should produce a 6x to 10x return um, on that spend. So if you're spending 
a thousand, then you should be seeing a 6,000 return on that, that 1000 marketing spend. Mm, interesting. And I think a lot of people, cause the industry I'm in is the beauty space. That's beauty, yes. hair, aesthetics, product training. And a lot of people within the industry don't even know how much money they make. They'll go, well, the, my money just goes to the accountant, the accountant sorts it out. But it's really important for anyone in business to still know their figures. You don't have to do bookkeeping. You don't have to do whatever else involves accounts, but at least know what you're bringing in every week, every month, every year. So you can separate them money pots because otherwise you just can't run your business properly. Yeah. So, um, confession and, you know, really the, one of the reasons, um, why I, why I do this, why I host profit first nation, why I talk to entrepreneurs every day about, about their business is, um, you know, when I started my first business, I was 25 years old. I had no idea what I was doing. And I thought, well, you know, I'm really good at, at, at the marketing side and working with customers, but I, I never took an accounting class in college, you know, whatever. I'll just hire a full-time bookkeeper in-house and I'll work with the, the city's largest accounting firm. And then they've got it handled. And if there's a problem or an issue, they'll tell me that was my mindset. And, and I think that we, you know, most business owners, you know, operate, as I say, with their head in like an ostrich with their head in the sand. And, and we think, oh, well, we don't know it. So we'll give it to other people that know it. But the problem with that is, um, that the bookkeeper and or accountant, they can't make the decision to spend or save the money. They're just helping you be compliant with your numbers. They're putting the numbers the, the credits, the debits in the right boxes in your accounting software. Um, so you have to own the financials of the business that you own. You don't have to do the bookkeeping, like you said, but, but you have to own those decisions of spending or saving. And, you know, that's why Profit First is so great. I mean, you know, I have full-time staff across my different businesses in accounting departments, but when it comes to allocation day, they send me what I don't even log into the bank account. They send me the income balance for the business that I it's the allocation day for. And I plug that in to our handy dandy profit first calculator for allocation day and boom, it does the allocations for me. And then I send that spreadsheet back to them. It takes me a couple of seconds, but what's important about the the, the couple of seconds or really a couple of minutes I spend on it is by seeing how much income is coming into the business, I know how we're doing because I know on average what we should be having in our income account on every allocation day. And if that number is low, then that may, triggers me to say, hey, what's going on? What, like we need to peel back the layers. Are, are, are people late in paying um, were sales slow for some reason? What's going on here? And then, you know, if if the if the income amount is higher than average or what's expected, you know, I need to recognize that this is an abnormality. Um, you know, and but thankfully, because profit first is a percentage-based system, that percentage-based system helps you normalize the cash flow. So when you have, you know, higher income balances, one allocation day and lower income balances, another allocation day, that percentages based system allows you to kind of normalize that cash over the year, because that's kind of the problem. Sometimes, you know, 
when 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 we have a, a an extremely large sale or something like that um and 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 we we have more money in our in our bank account than we normally do we're like we're rich we can spend money <laughs> and you know that's that's really not the case that's not the normal that's that's the exception and we have to be careful not to treat it like the normal that you know we're all of a sudden you know a new level of business definitely Let's switch up and talk about staff and teams because I know you specialize in this area. Um, You do have a five-star employee rating system. Can you talk to me about that a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. So as I mentioned, Mike and I are collaborating on his next book. Um, and, And so that's kind of like the, the other secret. So once you get profit first implemented in your business, the interesting thing is as you grow and as you add employees in your business, um, your largest expense, especially at like 10 or more employees becomes your payroll yep. <laughs> and, 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 and your expenses remember make or break you in terms of your profitability. So, you know, what, what we've discovered in working with entrepreneurs is, you know, they, they're profitable and then they start getting bigger and they start growing their employees and then their payroll balloons. And then they, they start, you know, losing a grasp on their, on their profitability. And so the, the real problem is, is that when you have employees who, what we call one, two or three star employees, average ho-hum or worse employees, they're a drain on your payroll because it takes two or three one, two or three star employees to do the work of one five-star employee. And you pay the five-star employee the same you would pay a one, two or three-star employee. So you could have one five-star employee that you're paying 50,000 to. um, But if you have one and two and three-star employees, it's going to take you two three-star employees at $50,000 each. So you're going to pay $100,000 in payroll to have two people do the work unless you had one five-star employee for $50,000. So you really have to never settle when it comes to recruiting and hiring. You want the best talent and a five-star employee represents the top 15% of available talent in the market for the role. So um, one in seven candidates is a potential five-star employee and, um, and you want to be really objective. It, it, this is, this is where it's hard. And this is why a rating system is important. I mean, you know, if, if given the choice um, and you're going to go on a fabulous vacation and you're doing some vacation planning, um, are you going to pick the 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 two or three star hotel um, when you could be staying at a five star hotel for almost the same price? Right. Always same, thing, go five star. <laughs> same thing with employees. You know, you don't want to settle for that 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 one, two or three star employee because, you know what, to be honest, it's not the right role for them. And, and, and everyone has a five-star role, maybe two five-star roles. I'll be honest, Katie, I was not a five-star flight attendant. I didn't love it. I didn't have a passion for it. Like I did the job. I kept people safe. Um, but you know, it was, it, it, I, I clearly was not a five-star flight attendant. Um, I'm not a five-star bookkeeper either. I can, I know enough to be dangerous about bookkeeping, but it's not my passion. I'm not a bookkeeper. I'm not an accountant. I'm not a, but I could get a job tomorrow as one, but I'd be a three-star, 
two-star bookkeeper. Um, but I'm a five-star entrepreneur, you know, because that is my passion. That is where, that is where I'm really good at. And that's where everything comes naturally and such. Um, so someone isn't necessarily, you know, a three-star employee in life. It's just finding that right fit for the role where they're a five-star employee for that role. Mm. If someone hires someone new and it takes that person time to warm up in the company, et cetera, and especially in our industry, they're building client bases. Oh, mm-hmm. how, how soon would you look for what star they're at? Like, what is that time scale you'd give to be like, no, actually they've got to go. Like, do you give them a bit of a settling in period or can you find out straight away? So, you know, what's really, really important is, um, and, is is that you set the success metrics for what success looks like in the role before you start the recruitment process. So so we recommend that you define the three to five key responsibilities for the role, and then you objectify. You put a number, you put a metric, a percent, a dollar sign, um, just a straight up number to what success looks like for the role. So if you're hiring a stylist and that stylist needs to, um, you know, be booked at 80% um, of their, of their capacity, at least a week prior to, to that week, um, that, and they, and they need to do this by after being there three months, they need to be hitting that metric then, you know, you need to have a ramp up plan for them and you need to say, okay, like we're going to start giving you the, the call-ins that, that call in, but then you need to start developing those people and you need to get them to be coming back and booking the next appointment and such. And so as the owner, you have, or the, or the manager, you really have to figure out like, what does it look like? You know, each step of the way, how are we going to get this, this new stylist on the floor from, from, from point A to point, Hey, um, and, 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 you know, how many weeks is it going to take? How is she going to graduate up there? So we have, um, how boring is this compared to your fabulous industry? We have a claims processing business, um, where people are processing claims. And when we say, Hey, here's what we need from you. And this is from the job posting through the interview process through training, we're talking about you have to have 98% procedural accuracy, 98% financial accuracy, and you need to be processing 42 claims a day. When they come out of their six-week training, we say, great, okay, now here's what it's going to be. We're going to be um, reviewing all of your claims until you start hitting that 98% accuracy level. And um, and and to start with, you're not going to be able to do 42 claims a day. So we're going to start you at 27 claims a day. And then in two weeks, we're going to bump you up to 30 claims a day. And then and, and so we're watching that and we're measuring it and we're monitoring it, but it's very clear to the employee what success looks like. And, and, and it's clearly defined that you're not going to go from point A to point K overnight. And you're not going to get there without a little guidance, a little support. So it's really the job of the, of the manager or the owner to, to define this success, get it really mapped out and then hold them accountable. And, and if they can't, if they can't make it, then they're the wrong person. And, you know, you don't have to give someone, I I love it when they say, so should we give someone six months? And I'm like, why? What's going to change in six months? Like you should be able to see change quickly. We don't give someone six months to go from, you know, 
coming out of training and processing 27 claims to getting to 42 claims, like we're, we're giving them two weeks to go from 27 to 30. All right. We're giving them another two weeks to go from 30 to 33. So like you have to be watching it and monitoring it. And I would say that, you know, if someone can't make it to the 30 claims, um, after two weeks, then, you know, okay, we need to get a little bit involved in that. We need to kind of be watching them to see what happens as they're processing claims over their shoulder, help them figure this out because we want them to be successful. And if you do this recruitment and you do this hiring, well, then your people, your new hires will succeed. Um, we just recruited for three people in this claims exam position. And, you know, um, a lot of people are, are, are thinking, well, do you, do you hire like a bunch of people to go through training and then you kind of people don't make it. And then what you have is, is who you go forward with, or do you fire people in training? And I'm like, Oh my gosh, we've never fired someone in training. Like, because we have such a good solid, uh, objective, process in hiring using the five-star employee rating system to figure out if they're a five-star hire, um, you know, when they go through training, when they come out of training, they're successful because we've, we've taken the time we've defined it. We've, we've set them up for success. And we also haven't settled for someone who, you know, says in an interview that, you know, they're, they're just, they're distracted by their cats and, and they want the job because they can move to Illinois. I mean, literally we came to the end with a candidate and like the last questions that we asked them, like the answers were just like, you're not the right person for this job. Like you're not passionate about this job. Like this isn't exciting to you. You just want it because you can be at home with your cats and play with them during the day. And you can move from, uh, you know, Indiana to Illinois. So so it all really then comes down to the interview process, doesn't it? And the recruitment process. Yes. What would you get people to look for during that process? Um, so you really want to spend a lot of quality time with the candidate. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll run through really quickly um, the, the, the five-star employee rating system. So the first thing that is the foundation of the five-star employee rating system is alignment with core values. And these are the core values, the true hundred percent of the time core values of the owner. So a lot of businesses are like, oh, we've got our core values, but they're really group think values. They're aspirational values. They're not true hundred percent of the time. So you want to understand what your three to five core values are that are true to you hundred percent of the time. You want to have clarifying statements about what you mean. It's not just a word because we can have different interpretations of words, but you really clarify like this is our core value and this is what we mean by it. And what that does is that is, that's the secret to cloning yourself. Um, (laughs) You know, because if someone shares your core values, that means that they kind of have the DNA that will think and act like you, the owner. So that is really the foundation is, is, is determining, you know, is there alignment with core values? The second is we've identified 11 universal qualities of a five-star employee. And in those 11 universal qualities, um, two are coded green, which means they're relatively easy to change. Two are coded red, which these ones are like huge red flags. If someone doesn't meet what you're looking for in these two, and that is being limber, because as a small business, we need people who are limber. We need people who can go with the flow. We need people who might need to stay late or work another shift. Um, and we need people who listen, listen, mm-hmm. listen, listen, and they're active listeners and they're listening with all their senses. Um, then the third uh, rating 
factor is aptitudes and skills. So you need to identify, you know, nine to 13 specific aptitudes that you need for the job. You need to test the skills that are needed for the job. Um, and really just because someone says they can do it doesn't mean they can do it. I could get a job as a bookkeeper telling people how fabulous I am as a bookkeeper, but if they don't test me, then they wouldn't see that my skills aren't so hot as a bookkeeper because I'm not a bookkeeper. <laughs> um, and then uh, the, the, the fourth criteria are the success metrics. So, you know, is this person fully understanding of what success looks like in the role the key responsibilities. And then are they good with, yes, I can, I, I, I'm confident I can hit 98% procedural accuracy, 98% financial accuracy, 42 claims per day. I'm confident that I can, you know, get 80% of the people that come to me for their first visit to, to rebook their next visit with me before they leave. Um, and then the final one is return on payroll. And so, you know, you need to make sure that, the individual is going to be producing a 3x return, 3x to 4x return on what you're paying them in terms of their salary. Because mm, that's what lots of people miss at third point. We sorry, the last point we talk about quite a lot in our industry, but they need to be hitting three times their wages because yes. if they're not, you as a business owner, you're really not making any money off them, are you? Not at all. Nope. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Quite quite scary when people do their actual figures and they see how much return that therapist or hairdresser is bringing them if they're not even three times and oh you need to look into that a bit more if someone is listening and thinking oh my god I don't have five stars or I have one five star person but I have like two or three two stars maybe even one stars yeah. what would you get them to do because I think a lot of people go oh I feel bad they're in a job I can't get rid of them like what would you say you know, I would say that that individual is not happy either, you know, and, and, and that's, that's the uncomfortable part. You know, I mean, people want a job, but if, if they're not knocking it out of the park, they're in the wrong, they're in the wrong role. They're in the wrong salon. They're doing the wrong thing. Um, because, uh, you know, when everyone is really good at, 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 at least one thing, um, and so they need to find what they're really good at. I wasn't really good as a flight attendant. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure like we've all had jobs, um, you know, where we, it wasn't, it wasn't us. I mean, clearly Katie, now you are in your like just zone of genius and, and knocking it out of the park. But let's be honest, I'm sure you've done jobs along the way when you were younger that just weren't weren't, 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 weren't the ideal fit for mm. you. And so it's really about finding those people that are passionate. One thing that I would recommend, you know, in your hiring process is having people shadow in the business, um, you know, spending a good, like four or six hours, at least one day, you know, seeing what the culture is like, seeing how they assimilate, seeing if, you know, you can give them an assignment, um, and see how they perform. Um, and, you know, you kind of want to throw wrenches in, into the thing and see, you know, how limber are they, you know, are they really listening and such, mm -hmm. um, to really test out, uh, if that, if that candidate is an ideal fit for, uh, for, for the position and your company. Cause you can get them to do that. Can't you, before you physically hire them to test it uh out? Yes, yes, yes. So, I mean, I recommend paying them, 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, it's not like you're paying them a thousand dollars for the day you're, you know, but, but you are compensating them for their, for their time. Um, and, and it's a, it's a great investment. And I've actually had people who, you know, in one of our, we have a construction material supply business. Someone really wanted to get in construction. They were in property management. So they actually spent two days in our company, kind of like seeing, you know, after they'd gone through interview processes and, and testing and assessments. Okay. Now let's see, you know, you've never done this job. You get to see what it's really like for two days. And after two days, they were like, I think I'm going to stay in property management. And I'm like, great, no problem. Because if I would have hired them, based off of their desire to work in construction, but them not really understanding what the job is, they would have been miserable after their first week and they would have spent the next two or three months finding a new job and then they would have quit. And so three months later, I'd be back at square one and mm-hmm. that would have been a waste of time and money for everyone. So um, so, so it's really helpful to have that the, that shadow day. Yeah, that's such a good day, which I, good thing, which I don't think a lot of people in our industries or even outside our industry even do so right most industries don't yeah that's such a good thing and like you said to pay them but that is actually a really small tiny investment compared to if they was going to be with you for a few months you invest them in in other ways and actually they're not happy anyway so they're going to go yeah exactly Wow. It's been absolutely amazing talking to you. I could talk to you for way much longer, but with our time differences, I will let you go. But I know you've got something for our listeners. So did you want to share what that is? Um, Yeah. So if you, um, I've I've got two, two, two things, if that's okay. Of course. Um, But you can, you can email, I mean, sorry, you can. Okay. Let me, let me slow down a little bit. So I have a, 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 how to implement profit first guide. And I have, um, uh, a how to hire five-star employees guide. Since we hit two topics today, um, we have two how-to guides for them. And so to get the profit first guide, you're going to um, go on WhatsApp and you are going to text profit first as one word to one nine zero nine seven four one one three two one. And for the how to hire five-star employees guide, you are going to text never settle as one word, never settle to that same number, 1-909-741-1321 on WhatsApp. I love that. I haven't had any guest give us a WhatsApp number to be able to get something from. I love that. Great. That's so clever. I'm going to put in the show notes, the numbers and the wording. So everyone, if you're driving, don't start writing numbers down. (laughs) So just check the show notes and it will all be there for you. So I highly recommend you grab them two guides. Danielle, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your expertise. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. Cheers to another profitable day. You might have already seen that there has been a price drop and the name change to my membership. It was originally called Coffee Cake and Chat, also known as CCC, because we opened over COVID and we all needed a strong coffee, lots of cake and lots of chatting to get through that time. But we're out the other side of the pandemic now and we needed to rebrand. So I have called it Clients, Cash and Community because we all need clients and to hold on to them clients we all need the cash and community is key in business this membership is for anyone within the beauty industry and when i mean beauty i mean aesthetics makeup artists lash tech salon owners 
anyone whatsoever hairdressers you are all welcome so see the show notes below and you can join now at only 39 pounds a month that's less than one treatment a month and that's covered you'll be able to build your business within this membership you're going to get mentoring from me you're going to have expert guest speakers you're going to have a community of people that you can go to whenever you wish it is a must-have as a business owner i look forward to seeing you there